I'm Siri Lindley, two-time world champion, author, speaker, animal activist, survivor, and thriver. I have found a way to overcome every challenge and to take the impossible and make it possible. On my podcast, we're going to talk real life. We're going to get vulnerable. We're going to go first. You're not alone in your fears, your doubts, or your worries. The most successful people in the world have them. Stick with me on this journey. I will help you harness your power, claim your magic, and create the life that you dream of. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bedhead Chronicles. Today, I have an incredibly special guest, Eric Kapitulik. He is just an extraordinary human being. He is the founder and chief executive officer of the program, a team building and leadership development company that works annually with 150 plus professional sports teams, collegiate sports teams, and corporations of all sizes. His team at the program is made up of elite former U.S. military special operators. Eric Kapitulik being one of the best himself, serving our country as an infantry officer and special ops officer for the First Force Reconnaissance Company, First Marine Division. This man is an extraordinary human, an incredible father, an incredible husband, and an incredible friend. So welcome, Eric Kapitulik. So everyone, Eric Kapitulik, welcome. Now, wait, Eric, before you even say hello, I forgot one, the most important thing about your resume. Okay. Eric was my senior prom date at Brown University. Came in. You weren't even going to Brown University, but you came in. You were the best date I could have ever asked for. Eric, that... I know that that must be your claim to fame, but God, you blessed my world being my date on that night. Well, that's 100% correct. (laughs) What I have told everybody since then, and this is a reflection on, you know, probably the complete lack of athletic career that I've had myself, is going out with you, world champion, triathlete, division one athlete, at multiple sports, taking you to your senior dance. That's the greatest athletic achievement of my life. So, yeah. That's ridiculous. But you see everyone, Eric's sister, Monique, um, one of the most incredible lacrosse players I've ever seen, but my best friend in college. And still, I feel like she's my best friend, even though I only see her, you know, maybe once a year if we're lucky. But um, the Siri, day I met note, you, yes. Siri, on that note with my sister, um, like, <clears throat> by the way, for your audience, I, I tell you, I feel like, you know, Siri talked a little bit about things I've done in my past, right? And you, you read, like, you know, Naval Academy and Special Operations in the Marines and, you know, climbing mountains. I feel like at one time in my life, I feel like I was kind of a tough guy, but then I had kids. And since having kids, I've become such an emotional basket case, Siri. Like, I have a tough time talking about things without being like, <gasps> and starting to get emotional about, I never was like that, but I have now, right? And one of the, so you've got to excuse me for, for doing that. But um, on the note about my sister and being, you know, your best friend and, and, and 
likewise from from her is uh, my sister was diagnosed with cancer and uh, lung cancer. And this is a woman who, uh, to to Siri's point, is not only a college athlete, but like Siri, a lifelong athlete, uh, a marathon runner and, and never smoked a day in her life and uh, has, gets lung cancer. And Siri, the, the, uh, the positive energy, I think is a better word than attitude, but, but, but certainly it, but the energy that's a byproduct of your positive attitude and your friendship to her um, has really changed her life and, and the outcome of it. And hence, because of that, because of my relationship with her, hence mine. And it's so contrite to say thank you, but I don't know what else to say about it because your uh, interaction with Monique and it helping her just in a very unique way, a way that I couldn't have helped her not being a survivor myself. Like I, I can be empathetic about it, but I can't, I don't truly know. It's, it's a different playing field, right? Being, being, well, hey, oh boy, I'm really sorry that you have cancer. It's different when you can say, yeah, I, I have cancer. I, I had, I mean, the help that you provided to her was just next, it can continue to do so as next level. And as if I didn't love you enough already, Siri, put Eric, that on the list of reasons why I think you're the world's greatest woman. So Eric, you're and my worth, wife. Like, I can't even, that what you just said to me means more to me than anything you you could ever share with me because i love your sister with all my soul and when she told me i i mean it, it just made no sense just like with me it made no sense but i just knew with every ounce of my soul that she has what i have inside of me and and that that passion for life, that passion for her family, for the work that she's doing in the world. I knew and I made the decision on the phone with her. I said, Monique, like me, this is going to be your most beautiful triumph. This is going to be where you, you for yourself and for the world around you prove that nothing is impossible. It is, we get to go first in deciding what this is going to mean to us. And everyone around you might be saying, this is the end. This is the end. Uh-uh. For me, for Monique, there is something that we are going to learn through this. There, we are going to become who we need to become in overcoming this challenge that will allow us to live the lives that we dream of and have the impact that we dream of. She has that spirit, she has that energy, she has that mindset. And I mean, I believe in miracles and I know you do too, Eric. I know Monique believes in miracles. And just because people say this can't be done, so they were kind of saying to me too, like, right, right. I don't believe that. I believe that anything and everything is possible when you believe that you will find a way. And that is what she is doing. She inspires me every day. My God, she's running like a half marathon every weekend and crushing it. Like my friend Monique, you guys, and I will get her on this podcast. But yeah, 
is well she'll be an upgrade yeah she'll be an upgrade from her brother but (laughs) but siri you know what you just said though and that's getting back to my point about i try to be empathetic but but the power of your uh time and relationship with her and in counsel and and I, i just wrote a letter on leadership about this where advice advice is from people who have never done it counsel is from people who've done it and in the in the respect of well hey have a good attitude and and, hey your thoughts become your words and your words manifest themselves in your actions right so think positive thoughts you'll talk about things positively lo and behold yeah i can just give advice on that when it comes to cancer you can give counsel and that because of that the impact that that has had on on mani um into into so many i mean in Monique is one person in millions that you've touched, but I'll tell you, just from a from having a a very personal relationship with that, uh, boy, boy, as I said, I love you for being able to be the person to give that counsel. Eric, this makes a my difference. God. I mean, thank you so much. This is not yeah. about me today. This is about you, but you <laughs> are just. I mean, I love your sister with all my soul, and um, if I've had even the tiniest little bit of impact on how she's handling this. Yeah. Because let's be real. And I wanted to start the conversation, Eric, with what happened to you in 1999, because this on the same subject, like, yeah, we, I was faced with kind of people telling me that I had a death sentence. Monique was faced with cancer, is faced with cancer. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, there's a mindset. It's think positive and believe in in the triumph and believe in the victory. But it doesn't mean that you just jump over the suffering and you don't suffer or you don't feel pain and or you don't feel the fear. And that is something that we all have to deal with when we are faced with a great challenge or faced with having to deal with great loss. And there is the mental toughness part, but there's also the, you know, not cutting off your emotions and your feelings and allowing yourself to feel the grief, to feel the loss, to feel the fear, but it's bringing that strength to the forefront and having that lead the way. But yes, 1999, Eric, Yeah. first of all, everybody... Eric wrote a book with Jake McDonald, who is on his team as well. This book is extraordinary. And, but the way it starts, I I read it for a second time just yesterday. It just shook me to the core. So Eric, if you're willing to share. um, Yeah. Yeah, sure. The, the, thank you for asking about it. Um, On December 9th, 1999, my teammates and I, I'm a, as Siri may have mentioned, I'm a graduate of the Naval Academy. I went in the Marines. I was an infantry officer. Now this story occurs when I'm a special operations officer. I'm the platoon commander of 5th Platoon 1st Force Reconnaissance Company. And we're training for our upcoming deployment to the Persian Gulf. We're doing a mission called a vessel boarding search and seizure. Bad ship has things it's not supposed to have on it. Myself and 10 of my force reconnaissance Marines are in one helicopter, my platoon sergeant, my right-hand man, he and another 10 force reconnaissance Marines are in a second helicopter. We fly over the ship. 
We go into a 60-foot hover over that ship. We kick a rope out that's attached to the ceiling of the helicopter. We slide down that rope, fight our way inside the ship, and create that, uh, make that ship become dead in the water for follow-on forces to then come and search the entire ship. It's only 20 of us. We just make it dead in the water. We're training for our upcoming deployment to the Persian Gulf. The helicopter that myself, and as I said, 10 of my force reconnaissance Marines or half of my platoon is riding in. Rather than being in a 60 foot hover over the ship, our helicopter comes in too low and too fast and hits the side of the ship. The helicopter pilot recognizes his error and pulls on something called the collective, which would typically, it would correct it. It would give lift to the helicopter. But on that particular day, the back left wheel of the helicopter, when it hit the side of the ship, it became entangled in this thick metal netting that surrounds most cargo vessels. So when the helicopter pilot pulls on the collective, instead of creating lift for the helicopter, with its back left wheel still stuck, it causes the helicopter to become vertical in the air, invert on itself, and then plunge into the Pacific Ocean. When we take ships down, we wear between 50 and 75 pounds of gear, weapons, equipment, ammunition. The helicopter hits the water, we're all immediately knocked unconscious because again, for your listeners, we're not sitting down, seat belted in, we're standing up, getting ready to get the word to start sliding down this rope called fast roping. So it hits the water, we all get knocked unconscious. Now we wake up sometime thereafter wearing all of this gear and equipment in a sinking helicopter with no oxygen. And as I tell the story, Siri, when I, when I speak uh, to organizations and companies, you know, about being great teammates and great team leaders, what, what, I, what I highlight is, you know, I, I pull and I fight my way through the helicopter trying to find a way to exit from it. And then I start to swim. But only when I start to swim, and even now today, as I'm talking to you about it, I get scared thinking about that moment I, I first started to swim um, and I get emotional about it in that I can't help but think about my own kids when, when, I, when I talk about this, but the, it had taken us so long to find a way to exit from the sinking helicopter that by the time we did so, we're deep down in a dark body of water at this point. Oh my God. Um, there's bubbles surround us, the, the helicopter blades broke off when the helicopter hit the water, but the engines are still turning. So it's causing cavitation or bubbles to surround us. And at this point, all of us are in the process of drowning. So we've, you know, you can't hold your breath indefinitely. Eventually you gag or you gasp for oxygen. And here, you know, you and I today, your audience, if they were to try it as they're driving in the car, which I don't recommend, but at some point, your body just would naturally gasp for air and oxygen goes rushing into your lungs, yeah. unless you're 200 feet beneath the ocean surface, in which case you gasp for air, you're holding your breath, but then you gasp for air and then salt water goes rushing in, right? That's called drowning. In any event, we're all drowning, so our worlds are shutting down on us. And I still remember thinking, and I still get scared thinking about that moment because I can still remember thinking to myself when I first started to swim that I hope, I hope I'm swimming in the right direction. I wasn't really sure. Um, making things more challenging for me at the time, as, this, as the story goes, was that when the helicopter had hit the water, it had hit it with such violence that I had compound fractured my leg. So 
when I swam in a direction that I hoped was the surface while drowning, I did so only using my arms because I had a bone sticking out of my leg. Oh my um, and a few feet beneath the ocean surface, though, I could see sunlight finally filtering down into the ocean. A few moments after that, I was on the ocean surface. And a few moments after that, I, a safety boat picked me up and I survived that particular day. But unfortunately, to say the least, six of the 11 of us that were on board the helicopter that day lost, lost their lives. Oh, my God. Eric, it sounds like it's, it just sounds like a horrible movie. You know, like, like how, how, I mean, number one, the fear, and I feel your emotion, like as you're telling this story, like I'm feeling it and I'm terrified in that moment. And thank, thank God you're here. Thank God you survived. But knowing here are your teammates, which I know your teammates are like your family. A hundred percent. Like, how do you even move forward from that? Yeah. You, you know, I appreciate you talking about my teammates because ultimately this story and the reason why I, I like talking about it is, is that um, it remembers them <laughs> like yes, exactly. most, right? Yes. Um, and there's so many things around this, like that, which I don't talk about in the book, but I would like to be able to say, oh, well, hey, um, why did five people, why did those five people live and those six people die? Were the five people, did they train harder? Were they in better shape? Were they, all of this stuff. Siri, six months prior to this, we're going to do our first training vessel boarding search and seizure as a platoon. Yeah. And I'm sitting where you sit in the helicopter determines when you, so you sit down in the helicopter, you strap in, but then when you go to fast road, you unbuckle and you stand up where you're sitting in the helicopter determines, therefore determines when you get on the rope to slide down onto the ship. Six months before I'm sitting in one seat. One of my team leaders is sitting to the left of me and he says, Sir, you shouldn't be coming down the rope in fourth place. Let me go down the rope in fourth place. That means we have a full team of guys on the deck in, in, in effect firing back at an enemy or, or possibly firing back on an enemy before the platoon commander comes down. Uh, I'll be the fourth guy. You be the fifth guy. He said, so here, you sit here. I'm going to sit there. Everybody from him over dies. That's it. It's just, we were closer to an exit when, when it all ended up coming out, we were just closer to an exit. If he doesn't say that to me, wow. all right, I die. Wow. Um, so yeah. to say that there's, there, it, the, luck and being unlucky, it, it's, it's part of life. I mean, it, it, it just is. Right. Now, with that said, when you talk about, and how do you move on? I think that's a key question because the, when you, if, if your audience cares to, you know, they can Google this, but when you see how violent a, a crash we were all in, what I really think when I see it and when I watch it is not 
about six people dying. It's that anybody could survive it, that, that anybody could live through that. Right. And the reason why those of us, that anybody who could have lived through it, lived through it. As I said, it was just, if you happen to sit in a part of the helicopter closer or further away, I'm sorry, to closer to the cockpit or, or further away from this exit point, you die. Yep. But the fact that anybody survived, Siri, was because we trained to a standard. Hope, hope is necessary in our life. I mean, let's be hopeful, right? It, hope provides us with, with it, it helps to provide us with a positive attitude. And if we have a positive attitude, then we can share some positive energy with each other. And either we're going to be energy vampires, either we're going to be energy givers, or we're going to be energy vampires. Yes. Let's be energy givers to each other, right? Yes. And, but to that, Hope, hope is, is, is an ingredient for it, right? Yes. So let's hope, let's be hopeful. But, but hope is, is not a plan. You, let's, let's hope for the best, but let's plan like we're going to face some adversity in our life. Yes. That's, and, and the way that we did at that period of my life was I ensured that we were going to train physically, mentally, and emotionally at a level that most people, now you, you, you have, Siri. Uh, I don't, not like this. No, I, I, uh, you know what, Siri, when, you, when, when I read your book, when I, when I read Surfacing and, and you talk about your being at this, especially the, 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 the training camp, I think it might have been in Switzerland. It's, but, but where you're like, you're the last person in the pool and you're just getting driven down every day, beaten down, beaten down. And, it, and that, that's the way we train. So although I can't, I don't know, or I can't uh, understand at the, the performance level that you were at, right. In, in that, on a on a on a on a on a uh, relative scale, that feeling of we're going to get up and we're going to beat ourselves down today, <laughs> and yeah, you're you, it's a Eric. it's a choice. So to keep beating yourself down, beating yourself down, but you're doing it for knowing that hey, let's hope for the best in our lives. But hey, bad things can happen, and if yes. we've trained ourselves, if we've trained ourselves that when those bad things happen we're going to be able to do the absolute best we can yes. in those situations. So how I've, I've been able to move on, how the other members of our team have been able to move on is that, yep, six men died. And boy, I think about them every day. But what I think is, oh my God, I can't believe five of us survived. Yes. And we survived because it was a choice we made. Yes. Yes. Okay. All of this, so powerful. Number one, I think that what you have to do to train to have seen five people survive is so beyond any athletic feat. And, and here's why. Like, you know that you are training for situations like this, where you're going in, you're facing an enemy. It's like life or death. You know, and I understand that now because I had a life or death situation with leukemia. Yes. But I feel yes. that that is what makes it so much harder. Like, I made a choice every day 
to train hard to go beyond what I thought I was capable of because I wanted to become a world champion. You're doing it to survive. You're doing it to protect your country. You're doing it to protect your team. Like that pressure, I feel, makes it (laughs) that much harder. I mean, in my mind, that pressure, you've got a country on your back. Yeah. I see that. I think that's probably why I I question how effective this podcast is going to be. Because see, I'm I know I'm supposed to answer the questions, but see, to me, I'm just like, oh no, Siri, I just want to talk about you. No, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I like, Siri, are you kidding you. me? That is next level what you do. Like, like that's why. And I think, uh, you, I, you know, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I um. One of the last things I did in the Marine Corps, this is after, after my, my time in special operations, uh, I worked at the Naval Academy. I taught leadership, worked in the admissions department there. And one of the, one weekend, uh, I, I played college lacrosse there, right? And one weekend, there was a recruiting weekend. And my coach, uh, my coach, who was still coaching there, said, hey, he, he invited me and a couple of other former Navy lacrosse players who were working at the Naval Academy, who are officers, to come and speak to the recruits. And one of those people was a nuclear submarine commander. Another guy was an F-18 pilot, a Hornet pilot, you know, fighter pilot uh, who spoke and, and I spoke. And we all got done speaking. And then the head coach got up to speak last. And he said to the recruits, he said, you know, I know right now from where you're sitting, this may be overwhelming to you. You, you, you meet with our players and they're going to talk about 18 credit hours, 20 credit hours, then labs. You have your military obligations. You have your, your athletic obligations being a division one athlete here. Then you hear from guys like it was Glenn Miles, Captain Owen Thorpe and, and you know, Cap about jumping out of airplanes, diving in the ocean, landing jets on, on, on ships, Captain Thorpe commanding a nuclear submarine. He goes, but you know, understand that when you talk to these guys, they don't think it's anything big. And the reason why is, is that in life, whatever you do, you think this is normal. Whatever you do, this is just what we do. And, and that has always stuck with me about when you look at, you know, you, I read your story. And the reason why Siri, when I read your story, and it sounds like you feel the same way about listening to mine oh or, or reading my story, yeah. is that the, the thing about it is, it's just not what we did, or not what we do. And we, when you see it, you're like, Oh, my God, are you kidding me, Siri? Right? But from your perspective, you're saying, No, Eric, it's just what we do. Yeah, but no, Siri, people don't do that, what you do, right? And, and, I, and I know that the same is true here, you know, when you're talking I'm about blown some away. of this. Blown but, away. you know, I think the real learning point here that I, that I always hark back to with that is so many times when people say, well, how do you do what you do? And, my, and what it can be kind of broken down into a nutshell is, is um, just go and do it. Yeah. Just go start doing it. Yeah. That's how you do what, what we do is, just go do it. And, and let's frame what success and failure is. And I think we have a real problem with that in our country right now, where like, 
you know, so many parents, I've got my young kids, they, they play youth sports, right? And I, and I feel like the end game for so many parents is, well, my kid plays division one sports. Like, why did it get that way? Like, that's why that we happen? play sports. Yeah. Like, that's why we play sports is, is to be division one. That's not why I played sports. It was, I was fortunate. It became a byproduct of it. But the, the idea of what success and failure in life is, and to me, in a nutshell, success is, can be summed up in one word, better. Yes. Better. Yes. Not perfection. It's going, you want to, you want to do, you want to go be a triathlete. I don't know. Go sign up and go do one. And guess what? Yeah. It's not going to go well. You're going to, you're going to be Siri on the 10 speed with a little ringer in her front basket. The first time you go do it, it's going to be U G L Y ugly. Yes. Yes. But it's better than not doing it. Yes. And that's, that ultimately is success in life. And then, hey, if you, if you fall in love with it and you're passionate about whatever it is that you do and you decide, all right, time to retire the 10 speed with the basket, but I, I'm going to try this again. Okay, well, the next time you do it, you're yeah. going to get smoked at it the next time. But did you get better? Yes. And oh, ultimately, it, it, it's people look at other people that do these things and, and they go, oh, that's a success. It's not. It's it's just it's we do what we do. Yeah. Success is just better. So let's go out and be better. Just God, go and do that. what you want to do. Eric, I love that. And I think you're absolutely right. Like there are things that, you know, people say this means success, this means failure. It is my choice, your choice, every individual choice, what success means to you what failure means to, to you. Like failure to me is learning. When I fail, I learn. I, I, and because I learn, I, I grow and I make progress and I become better. Like you're saying, success being better than I was the day before. And that's what Eric is saying here. You guys, that was gold, like gold. Thank you, Eric, for that. Now, after that, I, I know that after that tragedy, Okay, so when I survived leukemia, yeah. it gave me the sense of, my God, I am here. I must show my thanks, do what I'm meant to do here. There is a reason why I'm still here. I'm going to do good in this world. I'm going to touch as many lives as I can. I know you did that too because yeah. you started, and if you wouldn't mind uh, yeah. sharing this with the listeners, um, you got really determined to do something for yeah. your deceased teammates' kids. If talk a little bit about that and what that led you to down a whole nother path, really. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? I will. Can I ask you a question about that? Because this is really yeah. interesting me because I'm, I'm going to answer this from, from my perspective. And just because it was in my perspective doesn't mean this is truth with a capital T. It just means it's my truth. But I'd like to ask you, when you talk about leukemia and, and did you, do you think that leukemia changed you or do you think that leukemia just made you, that adversity just made you a better version of who you already had inside you? Did it give you a platform to show yourself most importantly in the world who Siri Lindley is? It or did, do you think it changed you? Yeah, It did both. And yeah. I'll tell you why. I mean, it changed me profoundly. 
But it yeah. also, I think one of the most beautiful gifts is being on this side, I have made the decision that I will only live on purpose, on mission in every moment of my life. And that means mm. loving others, being present, doing good work in this world. Other things that aren't on purpose for me, I just don't do them anymore. Yeah. It changed me. Yeah. Because for 48 years, I really believed that I was loved. I had friends. I had my wife. I was loved because of what I achieved, what I could do, how I could inspire, you know, that I was never a problem. I was never a worry. I was never, you know, I was just a giver. Yeah. So when I got really, really sick, suddenly yeah. I can't achieve anything right now. I can't, you know, do things for other people. I'm the biggest worry on the planet now for my family and my loved ones. And I really thought, and this is truth, that I would lose the people that loved me in my life because I was no longer who I thought I needed to be mm. to deserve their love. Yes. But what I realized was that I am not loved for anything I've achieved or how I've inspired someone or what I can do for another person. I am loved for my heart, for my soul, for my spirit, for how much I care, for how deeply I love that Eric and everyone listening changed me. I mean, yeah. it gave me, it just, it changed me from the inside out. And I'm forever grateful for that. And I wouldn't change a thing because that gift, um, but I carry a very, I feel a huge sense of responsibility that I've been given the second chance and I want, I want, you know, God, whatever you believe in to look down and say, that was a good, good choice that we kept her around because she's doing good work in this world. Like, I feel very responsible to live this life with all I have and be everything that I'm meant to be in this lifetime. So long, yeah. this is not a so, podcast with me, yeah. Eric. I want to yeah. hear from you. Well, yeah. So, yeah, see that, see that answer, that, that just reinforces just what an egotistical jerk I am. Because like, no. I, like I think, and I'm, because when I, if I were to answer the question I just asked you, right. <clears throat> and why, I don't know if this is truth, but at least it's my truth. And I think one of the things that I'm most grateful for in my life, and I don't know if this was nature or nurture or, or what, but like to find yourself on the back of a helicopter with 10 of the baddest dudes on the planet practicing taking over a ship at sea that that you'll go and do in, in the when you go to the persian gulf um there you don't just find yourself in that position like you've had to have made decisions in your life right in siri coming out of I think about like coming out of high school. The reason why I chose to go to the Naval Academy is because it, it scared me a little bit. Like, I didn't know if I could do it. And it's why I went to the Naval Academy. Like, why did I go in the Marines? 
because the Marines made me nervous. I didn't know if I was tough enough to be a Marine. I don't, you know, then, okay, then, then, hey, you're being successful as an infantry officer. Like, why did I go into special operations? I didn't know if I was good enough. It scared me. And that has been a constant in my life. And I believe that what, at, I don't know if it, I went back to my high school to speak at my high school. And there was a, one of the teachers was a kid that apparently was a freshman on the basketball team when I was a senior. I was athlete of the year in my high school. And I spoke at the high school and afterwards I was having lunch with a group of the faculty. And this kid who I don't remember, but he apparently was a freshman on the team when I was a senior. He said, Eric, you want to know the one thing I remember? I say this is the greatest compliment I've ever received. He said, do you know the one thing I remember about you from high school? And I thought, mm, boy, I don't, no, I'm, <laughs> I don't know. He said, you know the one thing I remember about you? You were nice to everybody. Mm-hmm. And so then I, like after the helicopter crash, to answer your question and to tell your audience, I set up a college scholarship fund to, to hopefully send the children of my deceased teammates that if they chose to, they'd have the financial capability to do so. And I began to compete in the world's longest endurance events, climb the world's tallest mountains. Admittedly, things that I already enjoyed doing, but now I figured I could do them for a bit more selfless purposes. Uh, And and it was not, I didn't do those things just for the scholarship fund. I would be lying to your audience if I did. I did them because those are things that, A, I thought I could raise money doing, and B, the challenge of them. I don't know I can climb Mount Everest. I don't know that I can, you know, compete at the Ironman. But like, so those, that piece of it, I was kind of already doing in my life already with choosing to go to the Naval Academy. If I don't choose to go to the Naval Academy, I don't end up in the back of this helicopter in the first place. And then highlighting that the best compliment, the greatest compliment I've ever received in my life being, you know, that is that, I, I feel like throughout my life, um, I've, and I, oh boy, I've made plenty of mistakes along the way and, and, and all of that stuff. We but, all have. You know, I feel like I've always, and, I, and this is from my mom and my dad, I, I feel like I've always tried to be nice to other people. Now, that doesn't mean it always has been. It doesn't mean there's not people out there who are like, Capitula, that son of a... But I mean... <sighs> I feel like selflessness, being truly selfless is actually one of the most selfish things you can do in life. Because from my perspective, the more selfless you are, it gets repaid to you tenfold in in life. So, I mean, like, although it's, you know, oxymoronic here, like being selfless is actually very selfish, Uh, (laughs) but, but you can't be selfish and be selfless. But if you are selfless, it ends up really being self-serving because you get a lot more out of it than, than you put in. Right. But so when, when we talk about the helicopter crash and its aftermath, I don't know. I don't know necessarily if it changed me, but that's because of my ego. Like I said, you're such a better person than I am. Right. You're like, Oh no, this is how it changed me. And you get deep on me. And I'm like, Oh God, Siri's better than Eric. She's just better. She's a she's a better person than me, a human being, just a better human being than me. Because meanwhile, egotistical Eric Capitulicus, no, it's kind of awesome my whole life. No, well, you first of all, you were 
you have been awesome your whole life. And the reason <laughs> why I wanted you to come to the final dance of my college life was because of how kind you were and how good you always made me feel when I was around you. You still do it. Look at you. Well, you just make people feel 10 feet tall. Whoever has the honor and the gift of being around you, we feel your love. We feel your kindness. We feel seen. Like I felt seen by you and you made me feel 10 feet tall. And so Eric, this is your superpower for sure. And I just want to say, because I love this, that everything that you've done, you were drawn to it because it scared you. It made you nervous. And isn't that, I mean, the secret to life is like, if you're afraid, do it. Like it's this invitation to, you know, experience something that, that could change you or, or will change your life in some way. But so with that being said, what, what does fear mean to you when you're afraid? What does that mean to you? Ooh, well, that's a good question. When 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 I when I talk about what am I afraid of, I I guess the way that I answer that is when people say, "Hey, how are you?" You get asked that question a thousand times a day. You know, "Hey, how are you?" Walking to the gym. "Hey, how you doing?" "Hey, what?" You know, and my answer is consistently, "I am awesome." That's what I answer. I am awesome. I love it. And the, and the reason why I use that term awesome is because truly I use that. It may be a bit overplayed, but awesome means it's awe inspiring. And that's why I use it. I am awesome. And the reason why I'm awesome is because my kids, my wife, me, my friends and me were healthy. Yes. And if my kids, my wife, my friends, and me in that order are healthy. Siri, I graduated the Naval Academy with a 2.02 GPA, ranked 962nd out of 992 graduates. (laughs) But I'm smart enough to get the other stuff in life figured out. Yes. Your health, well, in that order, my kids, my wife, my friends, and me, that makes me afraid. That makes me fearful because. What I've seen, you and my sister, great examples of it. You can just be unlucky. That's it. And I don't control that. Like, okay, yes, okay, I can work out. I can do all these things. I can eat right. I can do all this stuff. And sometimes you're just unlucky. So if my kids, my wife, my friends and I are healthy, how can I not be awesome? I can get everything else figured out. So that win. So now the flip side, I'm just, I want to bring this back to, to you and I, why I, I call my sister randomly and, and tell her that she's the, you know, I, I did this little thing for the race that she does. And, and I said it at the end about, hey, today, think about the toughest person, you know, we just did something. I, I led this little workout with some runners that are going to be doing her race. And, and I said, what I'd like you to do is, Today, when you leave, I want you to think about the toughest person you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, right? It's, it's all of those things, toughness, I believe. Call the toughest person you know, call them and tell them that and why. 
That's what I want you to do. Now, I get the benefit because I don't have to call that person. I can just tell my sister right now yes. that she's the toughest person I know. Because, see, I got to do the Ironman. I got to climb that. I, I got I to climb this mountain, climb that mountain. I'm going to go work. I'm going to do all this stuff. See, my sister, she's living with cancer. <laughs> I got to do these other things. She just has to be her right now. Yeah. And to do that constantly, day in and day out with that fear that I can only empathize with. I've, I've never had that. That's, that's true toughness and something that, that, that frightens me because I don't control it. And why, when, when you talk, when my sister talks, when, when survivors talk about that, I'm like, oh, oh, Capitulic, stop talking and listen. That's why I'm saying like right now, like, oh, I'll talk about it. I just want to hear from you. Like, because I know when to shut up and listen. I'm, I, may, I may be ranked 962nd out of 992, but I know when to shut up and listen. And man, I love toughness, physical, most. And, and when do we show our toughness? When do we show our courage, right, Siri? Courage. Courage. It, courage, it, it is not an absence of fear. If there's an absence of fear, there is no courage. It's when you're so fearful, you want to cry or, or you are crying. When, when everything is crashing down around you, th then you show courage in the face of fear. Yes. And um, so you asked me what, 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 what frightened me, how, how I described fear. Yeah, unhealthy, sickness. Wow. And if, if, and if as long as I don't have it, I'm awesome. Yeah, God, I love that. I love that so much. And looking at someone like Monique, who is one of the most courageous souls I have ever known in, in this lifetime. But the grace at which she is facing this fear. Because here's the thing, when you're in it, like you, you know, swimming out from the helicopter, wondering if you're going in the right direction. Like you are scared shitless in that moment. But you have to move to just finding a way. How am I going to find a way through this? How am I going to find a way to, you know, the oxygen to the surface of the water? How am I going to find a way to a cure or to surviving this? Because you simply can't have the fear paralyze you, right? Because right. that will leave you, uh, you're definitely going to not survive if that happens. That's right. And you're right, that's where the courage comes in, but also like, okay, let's, the fear is here, but I'm not going to be dwelling on that fear because I got to find a way through this. Yes. And that's when the courage kicks in and that's when the laser focus of saying what has to be done to survive this in Syria, and that's why again talking about you and monique and other survivors is i i uh use the the metaphor i don't know exactly what the right terms would be about what's the difference between something like an iron man and, or a triathlon and 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 mountaineering and on any one day, 
and, and, and I use this, I might use the same analogy, analogy, even though it may not be true, at least in my head, it's, it's true for me. I use the analogy that, that, that the helicopter crash is like a triathlon compared to cancer is to climbing a mountain. And I use that analogy in that when people ask me to compare the two, on any one day, that tri when I'm racing at a triathlon or like the helicopter, I'm in so much more pain on, a, on, a, on, on that day for that period of time. It's at, a, it's at a different level, okay? I never get to that level when I'm climbing a mountain. But when you're climbing a mountain, you're cold, wet, tired, miserable. And you know mentally, and this ain't leaving me. At the Ironman, hey, 12 hours from now, I'm going to be in a, I'll have a, taken a hot shower and I will have celebrated with my McDonald's. Yes. And I'm good. You're on a mountain and it's, I'm cold, wet, tired, miserable. I'm freezing out here. And I got to get up tomorrow morning and do it again. And again, the next day. And again, the next. And again, the next. And why for me, <clears throat> there's all different types of adversity in life that we face. And to your point, you got to make a choice. And if you don't make a choice as to how you're going to handle that adversity, in, by definition, that is a choice. You're, you're going to be paralyzed. It's, it will end up defining you. Yes. Negatively, right? Negatively. Yes. And the choice is, is not, well, hey, am I going to swim out of this thing or not? It's, or am I going to survive cancer or not? It's, how do I want to be defined by this? The outcome is unknown. It, it may turn out for me, it may not. I don't know that. But it's going to define me one way or the other. Yeah. And how do I want that to define me? And I'm going to make a choice as to what I have to do. The issue is in that, which is why I said, Monique, you're the toughest person I know, is because of why Siri Lindley is the toughest person I know, is that when you're faced with an adversity, like a sick child, a loved one, a husband, wife, partner, whatever it might be, a loved one, and you've got to get up every morning and go to bed every night with that fear, that gripping fear inside you. And you do it with a, with a smile on your face, even when in your stomach, a smile, even when inside you, it's, that's the, the furthest thing away from you. you. You show me a person who does that, who makes that choice, I'll show you a successful person. I'll show you a person that I love. I, I'll show you a person who, who I'd go to battle with because that is true courage. That's the ultimate in courage as far as I'm concerned. Wow. Eric, my God, you're just like, I've got goosebumps like all over my body. No. This brings me to like, I just feel like you are such an extraordinary gift. <laughs> To, to not only my life and your family's life and anyone that gets to know you, but also, I mean, through what you're doing with the program. Yeah. These types of lessons, you know, when you're 
in college, you know, or you're a professional athlete and you can sometimes get carried away with, you know, the wins and the losses or you're in a slump or this or that. Like, this is the stuff I feel that you are teaching, that you are training. Corporations, I mean, you can see where this works everywhere. You could, I would have you come in, if I had like five kids, I'd have you come in and do this with my family because it's just so powerful and this is a gift that I feel. God, I wish I had this. I wish our teams had it in college. I wish I had this information, but what inspired you to create the program and what are the main things? Like if I said, what is your biggest hope that after working together with the program that a team, a corporation will walk away with? What is the one thing that's most important to you? (laughs) <laughs> okay, so there's two questions there that you asked in, in quick did, order. Sorry. Because no, but that's okay because it, 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 the program is a team building and leadership development company. We have one mission: develop great teammates and great team leaders to help facilitate world-class teams. Yes. Individuals and individual talent can win games. We can do well. We can. Individuals and individual talent wins games. Literally, prefer proverbially or literally every single day. But great teams compete for championships. Great, you and your wife together. Great team, you by yourself, she by herself. Unbelievable individuals, great people. You have a better life together. Yes. You achieve more together. Yes. Great families, great relation, great, great teams. Great teams compete for championships and great teams are comprised of two people, great teammates and great team leaders. If we can make a commitment to be both, we're going to have a great life. That's our mission. What ultimately, the last piece, the question that you ended up, ultimately you said, Eric, but what's your, you know, what's the final thing? It's right there. I just want people to have the best lives that they can have, Siri. Yes. And that means people that are on my team that means you and and you having the best life that you can have why wouldn't i want that it doesn't that it's not this isn't a zero sum game that we're living you having your best life means it actually helps me have my best life yes if the people that i'm touching every day have their best lives boy how could that not make me have the best life that i have too so I know our mission as an organization, what do organizations get from, well, we're going to teach what it means to be great teammates. What it, we're going to teach what it means to be a great team leader. We're then going to help you develop your skills at both of those. Because if you can have great teammates and great team leaders on all the teams you're a member of, you're going to compete for championships regardless of the battlefield that, that you're living or competing on or, or going to work in. But but ultimately, what does that all boil down to? Boy, I just want you to have the best life that you can have. But but to do that, though, right, Siri, to, to do that, I can teach it all I want. I can help develop it all I want. You can stand up on stage as much as you want, and you can be Siri Lindley as much as you want. And yes, it touches people. But if they're going to have the best life that they can have, they got to go and do something. Yes. You got to go and do it. And and what we talked about earlier is, and and what do you got to go and do? Go do something. Get better. That's it. You Not perfection. Just go get better today. 
whether that means physically, whether that means mentally, emotionally, spiritually, it can mean a whole lot of different things to a lot of different people, but let's go get better. God, I love that. Now, I mean, that's just, just go get better. Just go do something. Just start. That's it. Eric, be a better, be a better wife, right? What can you do today to be a better wife? What, what can, what can I do to be a better, better husband, a better friend? What can I do to be a better father, a a better uh, business leader, a a better uh, youth coach, a, a better, whatever, like growth, growth. Growth. And, and you know, I think I think one thing I would I I am passionate about that that I'm compelled about that I would challenge people on is uh, when it comes to growth and in getting better. Um, if you if you only associate with people who believe in the same things that you believe in, you're you're really limited. To, to, to growth. Uh, if you only get news, if you're conservative and only get news from conservative outlets, or you're liberal and only get news from liberal out, outlets, you, like understand that social media is feeding you what you already believe. Yes. Like, I think that if we could, as as a country, I, and I do believe, I mean, not surprise me, you heard my background, I, we have the greatest country on earth. It doesn't mean we can't get better or that we don't need to get better. We have to get better. I also believe we're the greatest country on earth and number two isn't really that very close. However, if we're going to get better, we have to understand as as just adults, adults, that Siri, you may believe in something and I disagree with you. It doesn't mean I have to dislike you because of it. Exactly. In fact, like, let me talk to you about it. I'm not going to try to change your opinion. I'm not going to try to change your mind. I'm not looking for you necessarily to change my mind. But if, but if I can ask questions and I can hear your perspective, it doesn't mean I've changed my mind, but it means that, okay, I understand this better. Yes. But if I'm going to get to a better place, I need to have a better understanding first. We're sorely lacking that I feel in our country right now. Instead, we just scream and if I believe something and you believe in something else, we scream and yell at each other about it. Yeah. Like there's this idea that, well, if you're a Republican, you got to hate Democrats. And if you're a Democrat, you got to hate Republicans or or liberal and conservative or or all these different things where I I feel like when we talk about getting better and we talk about physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, boy, just gain a better understanding for for your fellow man and where they're coming from but but to do that just ask good questions and just listen and 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 if you're the one on the on the giving end of this stop screaming and yelling yes screaming and yelling is not communicating it's screaming and yelling like boy i think we can get better just doing it like let's talk about the the push-ups and the sit-ups let's take that out of it let's talk about the just let's have discourse respectful discourse you'll become a better person and i really feel that amazing eric please run for president (laughs) i would so only if you'll be my vice president only if you'll be my vice president eric like this is so beautiful i just i i have a million more questions but i 
I'm going to have to have you on again because truly, Eric, you are an extraordinary human being. I feel such love for you. I am so inspired by you. I'm in awe of you. And what you've brought to the listeners today is just pure gold. And I want to thank you for that. And I want to thank you for all that you are, your family, your beautiful family, your mom, your dad, Monique, Maria. Um, I just feel so blessed, so blessed to have you in my life. So Eric, thank you for taking this time with all of us. I just feel so grateful. You're amazing. Siri, to say that it was my pleasure today to join you would be an understatement. And, you know, one of the one of the challenges, right, of of being uh, having a lot of stuff going on in our lives, as as we both do, you you know, you get busy, and and so you, you just don't have an opportunity. And you and look, we don't make the opportunity, right? Ultimately, that's what it comes down to. You, but you don't, you just don't make the opportunity um, to spend time. Uh, it's it's a valuable asset. And you have it to say that it was a pleasure of mine. And I can't thank you enough for inviting me on because most importantly, it, it forces me to do something that I should do out of just choice, which is spend time with somebody that I love and who, and who makes such a positive impact on, on, on me. And so, okay, I, I, you're, you're welcome. It's a pleasure to, to be here, but but yeah, thanks for spending time with me today, Siri. It makes me better. Eric, thank you so much. How can people continue to follow you, reach you? How can they get associated with the program? Please. Yeah, so, well, thank you for that question. So um, we have social media at the program. And thank God we're successful enough that I don't ever have to be on because... <laughs> It, um, for me, it is, I appreciate Siri that for people's businesses and their work and stuff that nowadays it, it, you have to do it regardless of how you feel about it. You have to do it. Thankfully that we're successful enough that I personally don't have to do it. I have people who, who can do that, uh, for me. But we do have our social media. You can follow us on Instagram and on Facebook, and it's all at the program org. Okay. Uh, but to learn more about the program, my company, uh, I think probably the best thing to do is to go to theprogram.org, our website. You can learn all about it there. You can sign up for our monthly letters on leadership as well there, which are free of charge. So thank you. Amazing. And buy the book. book. It's amazing. It really is. So Eric... You're such a gift. Um, thank you so much. And I can't wait to see you at the ranch soon. You're going to bring your entire family. And October 2nd. It's on my calendar. And as I know your listeners didn't hear this, so I'm going to let them know, because I told Siri this right before we started recording today, when she mentioned the weekend, that, that weekend in October, if I'd be there uh, with my family, what I told her was when Siri and I last spoke on the program's podcast, I got, I finished it. I went up, I walked upstairs emotionally. I, I don't know how you can be a both emotionally drained and inspired at the same time, but that's, but, but talking to Siri, that, that's exactly what it did to me because it was such an emotional moment in, in time that I get to spend every time that I spend with her. But I get upstairs to my house, 
my wife asked me how it went. And the first thing I said is, if Anastasia, our now five-year-old, she was four years old at the time, I said, if our if Anastasia and Axel, but I, at the time I said Anastasia, but, but Axel too, but if, if Anastasia can grow up to be the woman that Siri Lindley is, we can consider ourselves a success as a family. So then when you, or as, as parents, I'm sorry, but then when you say, hey, will you come out here with my family? And I think, oh my God, Anastasia, my kids, Axel too, they get to spend time with you and your wife. Oh my God. Yes. Sign Eric. me up for that. Okay. So I'm excited to come out there. I'm excited. We, we, hey, this virtual stuff is great, but I just want to give you a big hug. So. Well, I want to have a son right now so that when you come out here, you can influence my son <laughs> and make him just like you. Eric. Well, Siri, take that with a great, your listeners should take this though. Like I appreciate that, but just to put some thing is as far as your son and spending time with me, I got to tell you, this is a true story. You said earlier, you're like, Eric, you made me feel seen. That's what I wrote down here. You made me feel seen. Yes. Siri's 22 years old. I'm 20 at the time, whatever. Siri, any woman as hot as you, oh, I'm, I'm going to make her feel seen, Siri. I mean, I'm a red-blooded American male over here. Like You're <laughs> like, oh, you made me feel seen. Yeah, I wonder why. I was staring at you, Siri. Of course I'm going to make you feel seen. So again, you want to have a son that, that grows up like me, just, I don't know. Take I yeah. do. Think about, I think about that son, before you say it. Yeah, I will have a son just to have him be <laughs> like you, as a human being, as strong, as kind, as loving, as generous, as inspiring, as awe-inspiring. Yes. So All I'm going right. to go talk to my wife. Well, right. he'll be a little bit of a Neanderthal too. But <laughs> Siri, thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank for you, Eric. Me. You're amazing. Thank you, listeners, for being here on the Bedhead Chronicles. Yeah. What an episode this was. Enjoy it. Thank you for listening and sharing this precious time with me. Please remember to subscribe and to leave me a review. You can find me on Instagram at Siri Lindley, Facebook Siri Lindley, and Twitter at Seltz, S-E-L-T-S. You can also reach me via email at info at Have an amazing day and shine on.